Welcome to the Imperfect Church Podcast, a podcast for the imperfect church and the imperfect pastors that lead them. I'm Ryan Reed. And I'm John Martin. And this is the Imperfect Church Podcast. Less echoey today, we hope. I hope so. I hope you can hear John more than you can hear me. Um, <laughs> uh, once again, our sorry. producer gets paid way too much and doesn't do a good job. Uh, exactly. Exactly. What are you going to do? I apologize for that. I, I was uh, in my kitchen last time we recorded, and uh, I think I think that was the problem. So yeah. maybe maybe not. Now we'll I'm see. In, we'll see. I'm in Riley's room trying to record. Well, um, it's good to be back, John. Here we are trying to be consistent with uh, yeah. uh, two podcasts uh, in a row here. Um, mm-hmm. And we had a, a, a nice morning of study on this <laughs> particular topic. Um, yep, yep, yep. And uh, we, well, I don't we, know how much studying you had to do, but I actually had to do some because I'm not a theologian by nature. And you I are. I got my books so. out. It, yeah, you one do. One of these days we're going to release our, our video and you'll see. You'll see that actually you hear these that right there is yep. books rumbling. So Ryan has his uh has his <clears throat> books out and I have my son's baseball cards out propping up my microphone. We may have to do like a baseball card podcast where you walk through <laughs> yeah. your son's baseball cards. Yeah, so we could do that. We can compare baseball yeah. players, best baseball player names versus best theologian names. But there you go. Baseball players would win, of course. I think so in a heartbeat, man. There's some great yeah. baseball names out there. Yeah. yeah. All As right. Well, and Sam. That's a good Aquinas. name. Huh. <laughs> you know. Well, uh, um, what do you, why don't you introduce our topic today for us? Yeah. So this morning, today, we're going to talk about uh, a theological, a theological concept. Uh, we're going to talk about the atonement. Part two. And yes, we know. Yeah, Electric we know boogaloo. You guys are uh, aware we've already done one on the atonement, right? We learned that this morning as well. I'm, I'm <laughs> so, sure they were aware of it. I'm sure they're like, wait yeah. a second, we've done the atonement before. Yeah. So that's why we named it the atonement part two. So, uh, but we're going to talk a uh, different direction this morning on the atonement. I think it'd be help a helpful discussion, and uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. Ryan, one of the things that uh, that I think is important for us to revisit because we haven't done a theological episode in quite a while is why even have these conversations? Like, why is it necessary uh, for us to talk about uh, the last one we did was the, the dissension before that it was the ascension. Uh, why, why talk about these theological concepts? Uh, I think for a couple of reasons. Um, first off, theology in and of itself is the study of God. If yeah. God is indeed the greatest and highest being in the universe, and if true pleasure and fulfillment come by knowing him, then how could we not study God? Right. Um, and I think also theology produces um, praxis. In other words, good yeah. theology produces good actions. And so when we think about these deep issues and we uh, do deep study within the Bible of what the Bible says about a certain topic, that that is framing the way that we not only think about our world, but it's framing mm-hmm. how we act as well. And it so let me ask you this. Yeah, let me ask you this. So, uh, in the in the scam in the uh, scam, what does scam mean? In the scam of <laughs> in the scam of things. In the uh, in the big picture, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Uh, of theology, we recognize there are some things that are really important, and mm-hmm. there are some things that are not so important. Right. Right. Uh, we uh, that's where we get the word tertiary from. 
which oh, look nobody you know ever used. Isn't that, yeah. isn't, that so, tertiary, isn't that where you put like turtles in your house <laughs> yeah. and your tertiary? Yeah. So, um, you know, you have these theological issues that some of them are really, really important. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're actually, we would say some of these things are actually necessary for salvation, right? And right. there are things in the theological concepts as well that are not necessarily as important. We call right. them secondary right. or tertiary issues. Uh, so the atonement, uh, as we start talking about the work of Jesus Christ, what he accomplished while he was here on earth, um, where do, where do you rate this? Where do you rate the conversation of atonement in that uh, categorizing of theological issues? I think there are aspects of the atonement that fall into different different camps here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it is a first-level issue in the sense of if we do not understand um, how how Christ atones for our sins, we cannot be saved. Right? That distinguishes yeah. between um, Christians and non-Christians. If you believe that you are atoned by your works, that's outside the the scheme of, of Christendom. So you are no longer, yeah. if you, you believe that you're atoned by being a good person and, and, and following the teachings of Buddha, you're no mm-hmm. longer a Christian at that, at that point. Um, yeah. that being said, there are aspects of the atonement that I do believe that good Christians can disagree on because the atonement is vast enough, uh, and comprehensive enough that it cannot be covered in a 30 minute podcast, uh, yeah. hence part two, but also there are <laughs> yeah. blame um, it on that anyway. That's, that's right. Um, <laughs> but, but there are also, uh, there are also areas of the atonement that, that you and I can, can, can come to different uh, agreement on your know, last, last, mm-hmm. uh, podcast, we talked about the extent of the atonement a little bit. That's an area, uh, where good believers can disagree and be a part of the same church. That's a tertiary yeah. issue. Yeah. Yeah. So let's start here. Uh, when we're talking about the atonement, we need to revisit uh, just a basic understanding of what it means. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have uh, a definition here uh, for the word atone. Atone means to cover. And then the atonement then is the way in which God covers or forgives the sins uh, of, of, of us, uh, his people, and particularly how he atones or forgives our sins through the work of Jesus Christ. And so I think... Uh, one of the questions that that naturally leads to is uh, what what does the atonement accomplish, right? And this may go back to that conversation you were just saying we had last time, uh, but maybe it's good to be revisited. What what does the atonement accomplish? Yeah, and and I would piggyback on on that definition um, or expand that definition when we talk about the work of Christ. Often when we think of atonement, we think solely of the cross. Yeah, and and the cross is the uh, the height of the atonement. It is the uh, completion of of that work, um, but it is not the only thing that Christ does for us. Right before He dies for right. us, He lives for us. Um, yeah, Christ's atonement is wrapped up in living as a, a man of sorrow, acquainted with griefs. So yeah, yeah. Um, that that I think that um, lends itself to the question of what does the atonement accomplish? Because uh, as the church fathers were apt to say, um, uh, unless unless He assumed it. He, he cannot redeem it. Uh, so what that essentially means is that unless Christ lived these things like us, he cannot redeem these things for us. Um, mm. So the life and death and resurrection of Jesus are all aspects of the atonement, the, the, the brand picture of how, um, of how God forgives our sins. 
Good deal. Good deal. Now, what was the question? This, I, I, I just skirted the question. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know if you're, if you answered it or not. Lead us into this Aquinas conversation here that we're yeah. going to have uh, in particular dealing with the, dealing with the atonement. Yeah. So t- talking about uh, the, uh, the effects of the atonement or what the atonement accomplishes. Um, uh, we're we're going to use a broad outline here. Uh, six, six, um, uh, effects of the atonement uh, that Aquinas puts forward in his Sumo Theologica. Um, and I think these are good six six things that, that the atonement accomplishes. I think there are more, at least three other uh, three other uh, effects that we're going to also look at as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because once again, the atonement is comprehensive. Uh, so yeah. it, it the atonement um, does indeed free us from sin, but that isn't the, isn't the only aspect of it. And so uh, I think Aquinas helps us here uh, as other theologians as well. So uh, we'll All jump right. right in the first first. Uh, accomplishment of the atonement that Aquinas says is that uh, Christ's passion frees us from sin. Yeah. And I think this is uh, where in our conversation the last time we talked about how the, uh, the, the, the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. uh, It, it is a substitutionary uh, atonement for us. It takes away the sins that we have Jesus Christ put upon himself uh, so that we didn't have to die the death that we deserve, as we say, right? And so he died the death that he did not deserve. And mm-hmm. I think uh, this may be the one that I think if you ask people about uh, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, this is what they're going to say, right? Well, the, the death of Christ frees us from our sin. Maybe the right. most common uh, thing that we think about or those in our churches think about when we, when we have the conversation about the crucifixion of Jesus. Right, and here's something that I think— um... I think we need to do a, a better job at clarifying because if you ask anyone, you know, when you have gospel conversations with people within the church, um, whether it be children or, or um, older, even even older adults, you ask them why, why did Jesus die, and yeah. they'll and they'll tell you he died for our sins. But I think we need to clarify what that means. What does it mean mm. Christ died for our sins? Um, because we, we know the language, that, that terminology has been used, and so we know that's the right answer. But I think it's helpful yeah. to say he died to cover our sins, to pay for our sins, to free us mm. from the penalty of our sins. Uh, yeah, those are aspects yeah. of that uh, that, that I want to make sure I, I don't want to make I don't want to make sure if you come into my come to my office to talk about salvation or I meet you on the street and we're talking about salvation, I don't want to make sure that you know the right answers. I want to yeah, make sure yeah, you yeah. understand what that means. Yeah, sure. And I think that, uh, that that's a great point. That's a great point. Jesus died, but if if he died for the sins of all people, even those that do not understand that he was covering right your sin or forgiving your sin, his death was necessary for those uh, that that part of it as well. Uh, then you know you pretty much believe in a universalism, right? I mean, he died for the sins of the world, but you also have to believe in that. You have to understand it, that it was a payment for your sins in particular and not just in general. And um, that's a good point. Now, I think that helps us with our conversations, getting to a practical point here. When we do have those people that come into our office, you know, and many times you've been there, Ryan, you, you, uh, you really want that, that child or that student or even that adult to understand what salvation is. Right. That may be a good a good question to put in there just to make sure that they do have a good understanding of, of that the, the payment for the sin was for them in particular, not right, just right. Jesus died for our sins in general. So. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think that makes it sweeter. Right. Um, yeah. 
you know, we're able to apply that. Look at, uh, I think Martin Luther mentioned something about this in in Galatians, about the the sweetest things in Galatians are the pronouns um, that Christ Jesus died for us, right? Mm -hmm. That his life is a payment for us. Those those particular things, it is Christ that lives within me, you know? Right. Um, And I think that's, it's not just a, 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 uh, general, uh, well, he died for sins, but he died for a, uh, he, he does something specific to those sins. He forgives those sins, yeah. right? He, he's the yeah. payment for yeah. those sins. Um, yeah. and, and being able to articulate that, I think helps us to appreciate and to worship, um, in, in a greater way. Um, all right, good. Know. We're not going to get through these nine things if we don't hurry up. So the second one is Holy. Christ's <laughs> passion frees us from the power of Satan. So this is like some good old ransom theory, huh? Yeah. And, and I think, uh, when we think about the, uh, the, the, the cross of Jesus, um, you know, I, I think about um, Jesus's parable about the strong man. Um, yeah, you, you can't yeah. plunder the strong man's house until he mm-hmm. he is tied up, right? And the in the atonement, in a sense, it ties the power of Satan, right? He can no longer yeah. deceive as he once did because his 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 power has been broken. Death has been defeated. Mm. Um, and for us as believers, Satan's power over us to deceive the scales that were over our eyes, uh, the way that we chased after the passions and pleasures of this world, that has been that has been uh, eradicated by the uh, uh, it's been broken by the power of Christ. He has entered into the lion's den and broken the teeth of the lion, uh, yeah. and he brings us back up with him. Yeah, and you know one thing I think is important to say here that um, that we probably said on our other atonement uh, conversation. Ryan, you'll have to tell me because you listened to it recently, more recently than I have, um, that this picture that some people would call ransom theory um, is is a part of a larger picture of the atonement, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. you, you like to say it's like a uh, it's like a wheel with spokes, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, penal substitutionary atonement is the center of that wheel. But yet there are aspects of the atonement that is ransom like. Yeah. And if you're interested in those aspects, that's what we cover in the first one is, is the different yeah. uh, theories. Uh, but there are aspects of the atonement um, that, that God does, you know, uh, Christ came to, to, to pay a ransom for his people, right? That's right. That's Mark. Yeah. Yes. Matthew. Um, but also yeah. at the same time, I, I said, Matthew, a, you said Mark, is it in Matthew or Mark? Is it Matthew? Uh, are you sure? You, I'm sure you, <laughs> you, you, you did so. it. I'm, it's, it's, in, it's in the gospel. It's in the gospel. It starts with him. Um, yeah. But you know, there also uh, there's the there's the the um, Christus Victor aspect of the of the atonement that Christ is victorious um, over sin and Satan. Um, there are different aspects of this atonement uh, yeah. that I think I think are a picture of what we see in the scripture. That's where we see the atonement as multifaceted and mm-hmm. uh, like a mosaic, uh, a beautiful yeah. stained yeah. glass mosaic that we're able to say here are different aspects of the atonement. Certainly, I believe that uh, penal substitution is the heart of the atonement, uh, mm-hmm. but there are other aspects that that communicate an aspect of it as well. Yeah. Okay. So number three, Christ's passion releases us from our debt of punishment. A little wrath of God here being satisfied. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's uh, you and I have uh, what does Paul say in Romans that we've stored up for ourselves wrath upon wrath, uh, mm-hmm. and how is that debt paid? Well, it's paid uh, by the God Man. Um, he yeah. is God, and so uh, by his his divine nature, uh, the payment is more than sufficient. But he is also the God Man; he is man, and so therefore the payment uh, is paid for 
by the offending party, right? By a man. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So this is this is uh, Anselm's whole why the God man? Why, why does why did God become man? Uh, it was because only in these dual natures is he able to pay for the penalty of sin sufficiently uh, and and completely. Yeah, yeah, good. So uh, the fourth one is that Christ's passion reconciles us with God. So those that were enemies, right, because of the wrath that was deserved, uh, now becomes a child of God, a friend of God because of the work of Jesus. Right. Um, you know, this this idea uh, of of reconciliation, that these two parties uh, that were uh, divided, that were split from one another, uh, we, we were not able to come to God because of our sins. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cross removes the obstacle, but it does so much more than just that, right? Yeah. The, the cross yeah. of Jesus doesn't just forgive sins. It makes us holy. It, it brings us before God uh, in a way that we can say not only that our past sins are forgiven, but that our future sins have been cleansed as well. Uh, so now yeah. we are able to, to, to be within God's family. Yeah, the unrighteous are made righteous, right? That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the fifth one is that Christ's passion opens heaven's gates to us. And every time I hear the phrase heaven's gates, I think heaven's gates, hell's flames. There you go. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, and this is, this is where um, the ascension plays into this as well. Um, not only, and this is once again, uh, similar to reconciliation, um, but, but the atonement secures for us a place uh, in God's presence. Um, think about um, as as Christ is dying. Um, what is the what is the answer from heaven? Um, well, the temple veil is torn from top to bottom. Uh, there is no longer something standing within between us and God. Mm-hmm. Uh, now Christ, the Mediator, secures for us a place in God's presence, um, and, and that's not only for now; that's for eternity. Yeah, yeah. So the last one of Aquinas is. is uh, Christ's passion is the way in which Christ is exalted. Um, so, probably a little Ephesian, uh, Philippians two here. That's right. Yeah, this idea. And this is the uh, this is the paradox of the atonement because this is the height of Jesus's humiliation. Yeah, and yet the height of his humiliation is also the beginning of his exaltation. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've mentioned on this podcast before my love of Paul Miller, uh, but his book, The J-Curve, he talks about this idea of uh, Jesus being highly exalted in the presence of God, not considering uh, equality with God something to be grasped, as Philippians 2 says, but instead he gave it up, becoming not just a servant, but becoming um, worse than that, going to the cross, experiencing death, on uh, a criminal's death uh, on our behalf. But it's at that moment um, of his death that... Christ is now raised by the Father. Um, yeah. He is exalted. He's given a name above every name. He has a people that he's purchased by his own his own uh, blood. He has offered them pardon. And now uh, for all eternity, uh, they glorify his name. Uh, the passion is the way that Christ is exalted. Um, think about yeah. it. So go, go ahead. ahead. No. I was going to say, you know, that one of the temptations of Satan um, to Jesus is bow to me and I will give you all these things. And yet Jesus mm-hmm. understands that exaltation only comes through humiliation. There is yeah, no crown yeah. without the cross. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say, so to review, these are the six uh, six things that are accomplished here uh, through the, uh, the crucifixion of Jesus and the work of his atonement. Christ's passion frees us from sin, frees us from the power of Satan, 
releases us from our debt of punishment, reconciles us with God, opens heaven's gate to us, and is the way in which Christ is exalted. So you have those six there, but uh, three have been added, right? We're turning six yeah. into nine here. That's so right. um, the atonement, not only does it reconcile us with God, but we recognize it that it also reconciles us to one another, right? Which is the beauty of the church, the bride right. of Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah, Um this is where I think we do have a, a tendency historically to individualize the atonement. Mm. Um, but this is just what Christ has done for me, and it just impacts yeah, yeah. me. And yet, yeah. what does this do? Uh, but it atones us for a purpose, right? Now John and I can can be can be called brothers because both of us have been yeah. cleansed by uh, the washing uh, of of Jesus's blood. Yeah, uh, and so that that places me within a family. Uh, mm-hmm. We were talking uh, about the necessity of church and, and some of those things uh, recently. Um, and, and church isn't something that we come to just because we need it. We come to it because ontologically our very being has been wrapped yeah. up with these other people because right. they have been saved uh, and we have been saved yeah. too. So yeah. now we are reconciled to one another. Yeah. You know, and I, I, th- I think this discussion is so good because, um, you know, as we've already said, but Whenever you look at the church and the ability to be a part of the church, the blessing of being a part Mm. of the church, when you see that blessing coming through the suffering and crucifixion of Jesus, I hope that it encourages us to be a part of the church, right? I mean, it's not just a, it's not just a group that was formed after Jesus's ascension, right? It, it was a group that was formed because Jesus went to the cross, right? right? That's what binds us together. And finding the beauty inside of that, I, I hope will help us commit ourselves even deeper to the church to which we have been called and that we are a part of. So Yeah, it also helps us to get along within the church, right? Um, yeah, sure, yeah. It's, it's a yeah. reminder that every sin uh, and every offense has been paid for or will be paid. In other words, Christ has paid for them by His blood, or that person, that individual will pay for them uh, in the eternal judgment. Yeah. And so for me, yeah. I can't demand payment twice. If, yeah, sure. If, if Christ is paid, then who am I to demand payment? Mm-hmm. If God will mm-hmm. e- exact payment, then once again, I can't uh, take payment. So yeah. when yeah. someone sins against me or, or offends me, my only reaction is to forgive and give it to the Lord. Yeah, um, yeah. And that, that, helps us, that helps us to love one another. Yep. So uh, the next one is the atonement is the engine of the kingdom, right? It's the it's the thing that motivates us to the work. Yeah, that's right. Um, so we think about this. Um, there's a really good work I would recommend uh, by Jeremy Treat called uh, "The Crucified King," uh, and then and here in, in this work he argues uh, that that kingdom comes through atonement. Um, so oftentimes when you read uh, theological works, it's either kingdom or atonement. Uh, mm-hmm. Think about the, the way in which we engage the culture. Uh, the social gospel emphasized the coming kingdom, but it did not emphasize atonement uh, of yeah. be 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 made whole with Christ through the forgiveness of sins. Um, and the opposite, we we have um, some within church history that have uh, ignored social needs, the coming of the kingdom, uh, by just saying, "Look, the, the world's going to hell in a handbasket, so you just need to be redeemed individually." Uh, and yet, I think what we see. Biblically is not this um, truncated gospel, but instead uh, you have Christ as the victor 
has has ushered in his kingdom and now you and i yeah. as kingdom priest we have a role to do that that involves mm-hmm. proclaiming the gospel seeing seeing christ earn uh, or receive the reward for his sufferings at the same time bringing kingdom principles like the sermon on the mount wherever we go whether that's in our occupation um or whether that's um in 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 our in our engagement with our neighbors we're yeah. bringing kingdom principles and we're creating um outpost of heaven as the church yeah yeah that's great so finally we're getting really close brian oh brian right well i do that my name is all right so the uh the last one here is the foundation the atonement is the foundation of our ethics so quickly let's do that then we'll get into our dead man I, i think this is one thing that i think carl henry helps out for us um henry uh takes the moral influence theory of the atonement and um, basically, the moral influence theory says that uh, Christ died so that we would act better. Uh, we see mm-hmm. that, and mm-hmm. and now we want to live better because of what Christ has done for us. Um, Henry takes that and says, uh, "No, and yes, uh, no, in the sense of just by visualizing the cross, it does not create new character. Yeah, it cannot because you and I are sinful. We we have to have regeneration, and so it must be the Holy Spirit. But the atonement is transformative in our actions because Hmm. the atonement secures for us um, the Holy Spirit that now indwells in us. And now because of the passion of Jesus, we are passionately involved in reenacting the sufferings of Jesus in our everyday life and the way that we act, right? We act differently now because our ethics are grounded in in a crucified Savior. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. Close us out with our uh, dead man, and uh, then we'll do some reading stuff. All right. Well, uh, dead man today, uh, I think I think one of the aspects of the atonement is that it ought to create uh, worship um, mm. because of what Christ has done for us. And I think Anselm helps us with this in his work, uh, Cure Deus Homo, or Why, we got, or God, why God Became Man. Um, in it, he says, now the mercy of God, which when we consider the justice of God and the sin, sin of mankind seems to you to be dead, we have found to be so great and so consistent with justice that a greater and juster mercy cannot be imagined. What indeed can be conceived of more merciful than that God the Father should say to a sinner condemned to eternal torments and lacking any means of redeeming himself, take my only begotten son and give him on your behalf. And that the son himself should say, take me and redeem yourself. For it is something of this sort that they say when they call us and draw us towards the Christian faith. What also could be juster than that the one to whom is given a reward greater than any debt should absolve all debt if it is presented with the feelings that is due. Um, What greater justice and mercy could there be than what we see in the cross of Jesus? Awesome. That's awesome. Well, good deal. So close us out. Huh? What are you reading? So I just started a fiction book. You know, I don't do a whole lot of reading anymore. Um, yeah, you give it up on early, that, huh? You give it up on that? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, um, I really have not been reading like I should. I don't even have a goal this year, which is uh, not not good. But I just started a book. Yes, a fiction novel called "A Man Called Ove." Have you have you seen this? I have not heard that by Frederick Bachman. Anyway, okay. it's pretty interesting, pretty interesting little read. And uh, so that's 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 what I've got going on right now. I'm reading some books for, you know, 
uh, men's ministry stuff, uh, prison ministry stuff. Got a couple books that I'm reading for that as well, but I don't have them with me because uh, they're in my office and uh, we don't have water at my office. So um, I yeah, can't, which I is interesting. Been, uh, as we began talking about the atonement in our last episode, we began mm-hmm. by talking about the fact that Jackson didn't have water. Yeah. And here <laughs> yeah. we are. Guess what? We still don't. <laughs> you don't have water. Yep. Um, yeah. Wild. But I, maybe I, there's I, a solution coming now because uh, now we have a state of emergency and yeah, maybe there's uh, some, some well, water. Well, it was coming. fun listening to, uh, I listened to another podcast um, every morning called The World and Everything in It. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a, a news podcast by World Magazine, um, educated, informed uh, journalism by Christians, you know, good stuff. Um, yeah. But it was just kind of jarring this morning in the, in the first five minutes or so, they give just an overview of news stories. And they jumped from Jackson doesn't have water and is in a state of emergency to Pakistan is having massive floods. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, just you never think that the uh, capital of Mississippi would be included in these natural disasters of these other countries that don't have the infrastructure we do. So, whew, fun stuff. Um, I am reading. reading, That was the question. Yeah, I am reading uh, Christian Personal Ethics by Carl Henry. and uh, just kind of started it. I have also slowed down on my reading a little bit because of um, doing more writing. Yeah, uh, but right. hopefully I can pick up again uh, coming up soon. Uh, I've also started again a uh, hundred days of Dante, reading through the mm-hmm. Divine Comedy. I'll be finishing that by Easter, uh, reading three days a week. And if you're interested in that, you should look it up. It's going to be really. So, fun. What, what's really your uh, just to, just to update everybody? What's your uh... What's your in? What's your end time? What's your time frame on this PhD? What I believe in times. Well, I, <laughs> I believe that um, Russia and China. Don't tell uh, that. Yeah. No, um, <clears throat> so I am uh, currently in my comp phase right now. Uh, yeah. Midwestern does it a little bit differently. Most um, most universities will have their comp phase is is where you take time out from writing, and you study everything that you possibly can, and then you come and you take a comp exam. Uh, mm-hmm. That is. Uh, usually an oral exam based on everything that could possibly be related to your topic. Uh, Midwestern, however, wants you to put together a comprehensive exam artifact, which is a written document that uh, introduces your research question, um, shows the necessity of your research question. Uh, is this, is this unique? Is there, is there something, is there something here? And then uh, plans out um, how you're going to answer that research question. So I finished with that document. Um, I got about 40 pages or so in that document. That document will then become um, my first and second chapters, essentially, mm-hmm. of my dissertation. So I'll turn that awesome. in this week um, to my doctoral advisor. He will look at it and tell me some corrections. And and uh, he likes to think of it as kind of like an airlock. Uh, we're going to stay mm-hmm. in that airlock. So we have a clear plan of dissertation and a clear, disserta- uh, a clear um, uh, thesis. And then as soon as yeah. you get all that, you're free to write until you're done. So Good. hopefully I will be um, very soon in, in the in the unleashed writing phase where it's just up to me to finish whenever I finish. Well, good. Good to see you. Second good time here, in a row, um, two weeks in a row. Two, every other week we're going to have a podcast because we didn't yeah, have one. Yeah. yeah. So um, get right, us out of here, That's Ryan. our goal. So, 
All right. Well, we appreciate you guys joining in. It's always a pleasure. Um, we uh, uh, do want to encourage you uh, to like and share this podcast with your friends and give us a review on the iTunes or the Spotify's or the whatever you get your podcast. Uh, we want to encourage you to keep loving your imperfect church and remember one day she will be perfected in glory.